Well, I'd like to say good morning to everyone, and this is part two of my uh, message, Unprecedented Shakings, and I just want to start by praying. Father, we just thank you for your word. Uh, Father, that uh, although the heavens and the earth around about us will be shaken, and in fact the Bible says that heavens and the earth will pass away, my word will not. And Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that your word brings life. Father, your word brings comfort, your word brings peace, and your word brings uh, direction. Father, we just thank you for the season. Although we don't understand uh, totally what's happening or even why it's happening, Father, we trust you and we give you thanks. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name. So I'd like to uh, welcome everyone uh, who's listening to this message today. Many would be asking right now, what on earth is going on? And, uh, you know, for quite some time, many of us have sensed that something's coming. And uh, that's been spoken prophetically. Uh, You know, a lot of it is because we see the world the way the world has become. And, uh, you know, many would say that the world has become out of control before this. But if we look around now, you certainly see that that is the case. And, you know, this is what we know to be true, that our society has drifted so far from the foundations that it was built on, and it's moved away from a place that was once safe. Uh, if I could uh, use, a, a, you know, a couple of words to describe it, it is like uh, we are in the midst of some sort of global reset. In fact, I became aware of a book uh, uh, written uh, by a, uh, a Christian by the name of uh, Dennis Peacock called The Great Reset, Where Is This Going? So we know that things are changing. We know that our world is being shaken. And we know that the future is going to be different from the past. And while that may not look the best today, we believe that God, uh, for his church and his people, has incredible days ahead. And I want to add perspective to that. In my introduction, I want to say a couple of things from the Bible. Firstly, the scripture says that God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. That is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33. God is not the author of confusion. So if we look around the world, if we look around even our own city and our own workplaces, and maybe even our own families, you can see confusion today. But God is not the author of that. While God is not the author of confusion, or sin for that matter, we live in a fallen world where sin, sickness and disease exist. And in some environments they thrive. And that is not your fault or my fault, but this is the reality. We live in a, uh, a fallen world. And, uh, you know, innocent people may fall uh, ill to this, uh, this pandemic that's going around. And that does not mean that they uh, have done anything wrong. It means that they are in the wrong place at the wrong time. So while God is not the author of uh, confusion or sin for that matter, we live in a fallen world where sin, sickness and disease exist and in some environments they thrive. This is a reality. According to the gospel, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. The thief is, uh, is death. The thief is the, uh, you know, is what, the pandemic. The thief comes to come 
uh, comes to rob, kill, and destroy. The, the thief also speaks of the spirit realm, the demonic realm, that comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. And that's John chapter 10, verse 10. And I wanted to say that today because we need to know that sickness, although God can turn it around and use it for good, it is not his nature to put sickness on people. It is na his nature to give life and to give it uh, more abundantly. I want to say this is not God, but at the same time God uh, is incredibly at work in the hearts of men right now. And uh, I'll, I'll st just want to read what I said uh, what we, from our message last week, which is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. And it says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Uh, you know, I want you to know today that God is speaking like never before to the nations through this whole thing that is happening. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are not being shaken, that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. I, I really want us all to know this today that God is in control and it's really smart to line up our lives with God because in the end God gets his way, doesn't he? And uh, if we really believe that, if we love God and if we're following him, we can believe this. Every circumstance will turn work for good for those that love God and according, uh, called according to his purpose. That is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And so in my time of serving the Lord, uh, I've been personally through a few shakings and uh, a few disappointments and, uh, you know, some things that have caused us to grieve but in the end, if I look back, those are like pivotal situations where you can begin to follow the disaster that is happening and become overtaken by it, or it is like a pivotal thing where you can turn around and determine that you are going to find God in this situation. Um, so we have a situation on our hands, and we have an incredible advantage in this situation. Then, uh, you know, people... Uh, Mr. Average in the world because we're people of faith and we're people of hope and we're people of love. Uh, I also want to let you know if you, uh, if you look at chapter, Genesis chapter 6 and 7, this is not the first global shutdown. That, uh, you know, that uh, uh, it talks there that the world had become full of violence and God was unhappy that he had created man. And of course it is the account of Noah and the first flood, which was a global shutdown. And uh, Noah and his family were in isolation. In fact, they were there for six months. But God was in control. 
And I want you to know today, I want to speak personally to our church today and to anyone else who is listening to this message, that uh, although there is a global shutdown and every nation is being touched by this, which is the most amazing thing, is that this is not the first time it's happened. While we use the word unprecedented, um, someone said this week it's unprecedented how many uh, times the word unprecedented has, uh, has been used this year. Uh, but today, there are, you know, to give perspective and to give you some focus over this next week in particular, I want to discuss a, first, a few words. And I believe these words are important to us. Firstly, the first word I wanted to use today is this, protection. We can actually ask God and we can be confident that God protects his own. Now, just some advice on this. We need to keep our fear subdued because one of the uh, great tools of the enemy is fear. And the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. I want to say to our church and to those that are listening today, uh, don't let fear overtake you. Uh, it's very easy, particularly if you are listening to the press, if you're le reading the commentaries and your mind is going there, it is quite easy to become overwhelmed. And uh, I want to say this, just don't let fear grip your heart. Uh, listen to what God has said to you in the past and uh, you know how you've been prepared for, for this. Listen to what God has said in the past and listen to what he is saying. God has been preparing us, hasn't he? You know, it's not like this just came from nowhere, although in a sense it did. But we've been talking for years about the coming shaking and God has let us in on that because, you know, it's like the scripture says in 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32, the sons of Isaac understood the times and the seasons and they knew what to do. And we have known in our hearts, it's like somewhere on the inside, for the far, last few years we've been thinking something's not right, something's going to happen. And uh, I tell you what, we wish, we would not wish this on anyone, we would not wish that, um, you know, anyone would come to harm, we would not wish that anyone would lose their jobs. Uh, this is, you know, for many people a great shaking and a great tragedy. But I want to say to you today, don't let fear grip your heart. Be careful where you let your mind go. Listen to what God is saying. Listen to what he has said, because he's been preparing us for this. Make sure that, uh, also, make sure that you do what those in authority are saying. Uh, you know, uh, we've been asked, while this pandemic is in the air, to, to stay at home. I want to encourage you not to break the rules. One of the things I know about Australians is they'll stretch the rules as far as they can go. And, uh, you know, uh, rules and laws are put there by the people in authority over us who have been given that place of government to protect the majority. And that's why these laws exist. Stay at home. Don't break the rules. Wash your hands. Use soap. 20 seconds. I have not washed my hands as many times as I have, uh, you know, this last couple of weeks. 
Uh, make sure that we are applying the rules uh, or the guidelines of social distances. And if we are unwell, make sure that we are reducing our contact with people until we get well. I, uh, I also want to say, uh, make the best of this time because it will come to an end. You know, when Noah took his family into the ark, he did not know the future. There was a flood coming on the earth. It was a flood like never before, and he didn't know the future. So uh, make this the best of it, the time because it will end and there will be a new day at it and I really, at the end of it. And I really believe that for the church. So this first point I want to talk about is protection. I want to say this to you. You will know his unprecedented protection. In times of uh, unprecedented disaster and shaking, there are always incredible accounts of, uh, of God just showing up and protecting his people. And I want to go for, to uh, Psalm 91 and have a bit of a glance through it. So I, I, this morning I want to give you a prescription from the word and it is Psalm 91. And it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. I want you to know that the safest place that we can be is in the presence of God. And right now people are running everywhere uh, to get uh, answers. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of us need to go places to get answers. Some of us may need to go to Centrelink to, uh, you know, to apply for a benefit. Uh, some of us may need to go to a doctor. But you can see the panic that is setting into the hearts of men and women. I want you to know that is not for us because we are God's people. And he says, I will protect you. And Psalm 91 is very much like that. He says, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you under his feathers and under his wing you shall take refuge. His truth shall surely be, be your, um, your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side uh, and 10,000 at your right side, but it shall not come near you. Only you will look with your eyes and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. This is what we've got to do. We, we have a profound opportunity during this time of being in our homes where we can really more than ever make God our dwelling place. I believe that this is a, you know, I mentioned before the words about a global reset. This also can be a very personal reset uh, for you and for me where we begin to reset our lives on what is important. Number one, the presence of God. Number two, our family. And number uh, three, the, uh, you know, the disciplines that we need for a strong Christian life. It says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent you shall tr uh, trample underfoot. 
Listen to this, verse 14. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Hey, make that verse your verse. Put your name on it. Write it in there and, uh, and read it every day. Pronounce it over, one, your, your own life, your, your spouse, your children, uh, you know, your family. Uh, proclaim it over our church and, and uh, even extend the borders of your faith so you can begin to declare that. Uh, verse over people that you know and love, maybe even the people of this city. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. That's a word for you. Now you are zoning in this morning because you either have or are beginning to set your love upon him. And uh, this is uh, like a promise you can appropriate for your own life. It says, I will set him on high because he has known my name. You know, it is time to get to know the name of the Lord. And, uh, you know, out there in our world, in a way, we shouldn't be surprised this is happening because so many people have used the name of the Lord as a, as a swear word and as a, as a cuss word. But do you know what the Bible says about the name of Jesus? It says it is the name by which all men must be saved. In other words, there is no other name given under heaven or under the earth by which men must be saved. There's only one way. And, you know, this is what the Bible says. So, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I'll deliver him. I tell you what, I love the Lord. And, uh, and um, it, it says, I will set him on high. In other words, he will set me on high because I've known his name. It says, he shall call to me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. You know, the right now, there's trouble in, in our uh, camp. There is trouble in the city. There's trouble in the nation. And here God is making a promise to those that have set their love upon him, to those that are his, to those that dwell in his presence. He's saying, if you call to me, I will answer him. You know, if you have a need that is, is, you know, bothering you and causing you to be fearful, please learn to call out on the name of the Lord because he said, I'm going to hear you and I'll deliver you. And not only that, he says, I will honor you. Do you know what? In this season, God is teaching his church to come to him like never before. And that is the advantage and the benefit of the season. It says in verse 16, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, when I was a young person, I, I was in some ways uh, a bit reckless. And I thought, I will never, you know, live to, to a, uh, a long life. I couldn't see myself making it into the 60s. And I'm there now. But along the way, I got a revelation. And this is it. The Lord said to me through the, this verse, Brian, with long life, I'm going to satisfy you and, and I'm going to show you my salvation. And I want to proclaim that over every member of the city builders community in our, in our churches and uh, our network churches and those people that are related to us, that the Lord is giving you a word this morning. I want to proclaim it. With long life, I will satisfy you. And I am going to show you my salvation. You know, this is a promise from the Lord today. I, uh, I want to remove the anxiety from your life because no one connected or associated with us is going to depart this world 
until they have completed the assignment that God has given them. In other words, I've got a job to do and you've got a job to do and you're going nowhere. So the first one is, the first thing today is one we need to do what those in authority over us are saying and we need to be careful. In fact, it is actually biblical, if you read Isaiah 26 verse 20, it is actually biblical to stay at home and to wait for this to pass over. So that's Psalm number, uh, the second one is Psalm 91. And thirdly, I want to talk about this, the blood of the new covenant. When Jesus broke his bread at the Last Supper, you can read this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. And it'd be good if you turn there right now. It says this, Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for the remission of sins. And this is the time where God actually established, where Jesus established the, um, the sacrament of communion. And, uh, and it comes from the, the Passover in, in uh, the Old Testament. The plagues that went through Egypt, if you go back to the book of Exodus, uh, prepared the way for the deliverance of God's people. And in a way, I believe that this plague that is traveling through the earth is a wake-up call for people that is going to cause many people to be delivered into the kingdom of God. So we must come to understand the incredible protective power of the blood of Jesus. I want to say that again uh, today. The blood of Jesus... It has incredible protective power, and we need to understand it. Um, you know, I grew up on this stuff. This is part of my early discipleship into the kingdom, was learning about the power and the protective, uh, you know, um, characteristics of the blood of Jesus. When the blood of Jesus was shed, something happened. Man was redeemed. And, uh, you know, when the blood of Jesus is applied to the door of our life, it has power. So in the book of Exodus, we read about the plagues. But the last plague was in Exodus chapter 11, and it was a, a cruel plague. But God used it to, to deliver the Israelites from, uh, from Egypt. And it was the announcement of the death of the firstborn. You know, uh, God spoke to Moses and he said, Tell Pharaoh that, that, uh, that, the, that I'm going to take... I'll just go to the scripture so I don't mix my words up and confuse the daylights out of you. But this is Exodus chapter 11. And there's already been uh, nine plagues. And this is Exodus chapter 11. And the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, I'm going to bring one more plague on Pharaoh. Because if we go back a little bit, you know, God spoke to Moses and he rose him up to be a leader and to be a deliverer of the nation of, e of uh, Israel out of Egypt. And now there's been many plagues, but this is the last plague. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And afterwards, he will let you go from here. 
And when he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbour and every woman from her neighbour articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians. And moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as not been heard before, nor shall it be like it again. But against most of the children, against none of the children of Israel, shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down before me. Get out and all the people who follow you, and, I, and after that I will go out. Then he went uh, out from Pharaoh in great anger. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh, he will not heed you. And my wonders may be multiplied in the, in the land of Egypt. I want to tell you this is very interesting because God was instituting, God was about ready to work a, a, a sign and a wonder to, to deliver the people of Israel. And it spoke, goes on in verse 12 and says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, uh, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months, and it shall be the first of the year to you. Now I'll tell you what God instructed the Israelites to do. He instructed them to kill a, a lamb and each household was to put the blood on the, on the side posts and on the lentil. I think this is very interesting because they sprinkle the blood with a hyssop and it's like the sign of the cross. And here is a, uh, an Old Testament prophecy that points to the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus himself. And uh, when the angel of death came over the land, wherever it saw the sign, wherever it saw the, the blood, it passed over. I want you to know that there is incredible protective power in the blood of Jesus, in the blood of Christ. And, and uh, we today can apply the blood of Christ to our own life, and to the lives of those that we loved, and to our own households, and we can do this by faith. Thank God we do not have to kill a lamb. We don't have to put blood everywhere. The blood has already been shed, and that is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed on Calvary for us. So this is a brief history of the institution of the Passover, and this is the point that I want you to know that we must come to understand the incredible protective power of the blood of Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 26, he institutes the sacrament of communion. I want to encourage you to take communion in your home. And uh, we take communion in here in the church. But this is a remembrance 
This is one way that we apply the blood of Jesus to our own lives by faith. And when we pray, we say, Father, I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. I thank you that I am safe from any plague. I'm safe from any curse. I am protected. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. I, I am so thankful for what you did at Calvary that you shed your blood for me. And now by faith, I apply the blood of Jesus Christ to the door of my life and to the door of our house. This is how you pray. So this is very powerful. So number one um, is so uh, we obey the rules that are set before us, the guidelines by our government. Number two, Psalm 91, we personalize it. So, uh, point number three, we come to understand the incredible protective power of the blood of Jesus and we appropriate it to our own life by faith. Now that's the first word uh, today is the word protection. I want to move on to the second word, which is very important during this season, and that is provision. Uh, because we will not only know unprecedented protection, but I also believe that God is going to show us supernatural provision. Right now, provision is under threat. This is something that we've never really experienced before in, our, uh, in this nation. Uh, you know... Um, I heard my father talking about the stories of the Great Depression. He lived through the Great Depression. So it sort of touched me, but indirectly. But this generation now are probably have been the most comfortable generation. They have been through very little uh, discomfort. You know, all of us have been through problems and had our challenges, and I'm not diminishing that. But none of us have experienced economic hardship and certainly at this level so there's something we haven't really known in the likes of our generation uh, but today or this week everything has changed because already the lines for social security are crowded and the phone lines are crowded and I would just really dread to be on that line and by the grace uh, of God I'm not I want you to know you are going to come out of this season, and I want to say this to the City Builders Church, uh, to all our people, to our community, and to those that are connected with us, and to those who believe in the gospel, that you're going to come out of this knowing that God is our protector, our incredible protector, and he is our supernatural provider. For too long, we've relied on other options, on our own resources, our own abilities, and right now anything can happen. We do not know what is going to happen next. All we do know is that a pandemic has been let loose and is, and is threatening the lives of many. Uh, I wouldn't blame anyone for feeling nervous. In fact, if you dwell on the ring, wrong thing for, the, for too long, you will begin to... Uh, uh, you know, feel nervous. So you've got to make sure that you hang around the right people, that you are listening to the right reports and that you're filling yourself with the Word of God, um, you know, every day. When Lynn and myself got called to the ministry, God spoke to us and he said at the start, provision won't be a problem. And over the last uh, 30 years or so, uh, we have just trusted that word. And I still trust it today. Although... 
we may see the difficulty very close to us and, and uh, you know, we don't have to go far to look to see the problems. I believe that God is true to his word. You know, the reality is, is probably going to happen to all of us. All of us are going to have to pull our buckles in. You know, uh, it's obvious now that we, if, you, if you're going out for an extra cup of coffee every day uh, with your friends, maybe you are living a, a luxurious life. Maybe you are living outside of your capability right now and outside of your budget. Then I believe that God is going to begin to pull things back because he is shaking the earth. He is using this to shake the earth. And uh, our God's a loving God, but I don't believe that God is obliged to give us our wants. God wants to bless us with every spiritual blessing that he has set aside for us in the heavenlies. But God says, I'll give you your needs. I'll provide every need according to my riches in Christ Jesus. That's the word of God. Listen, God is a loving God. In the wilderness, when the people of God were delivered out of Egypt, they asked, have you brought us here to die? They asked that question because they were getting tested in the area of provision. And I believe we need to trust God. And we need to know that God is, our God is Jehovah Jireh. That literally means the Lord's provision shall be seen. I want to say this to each one of you. I believe that God is going to provide for you supernaturally. Look to the Lord and begin to open your heart to him because he is going to release something upon you. A part of this point of provision is keep God's economy going by being generous do you know one of the things that really releases uh, the generosity of God towards you is your own generosity in the book of Galatians uh, the word says God loves a cheerful giver right now don't be weary in doing good as the scripture says it says do not be uh, weary in doing good but God will cause man to reap what he sows. In other words, if you continue to give, if you continue to be generous, God is going to help you balance the, the books. He will do that for you. Uh, I'm absolutely sure of that. So let's keep God's economy going, particularly in the house of God. So you're going to know the provision of God. I've found over the years that God is a provider. It's his nature. You know, with my children... I want them to be blessed. And our covenant relationship with the Lord has made this provision that God says, I will bless you. I, my blessing is upon you. In fact, I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing that is in the heavenly places. So the first thing that we really want to be sure of to, today is that God's supernatural protection is there. And secondly, his supernatural prof, uh, provision will become known number three today i want to talk to you about partnership uh, i think this is we have a tremendous advantage uh, because our church has been built on partnership and uh, it's amazing you know this uh, building that we're in uh, we were able to do this because of the incredible partnerships that we have and you know i believe this is a pattern for the future uh, you know, it, it really is 
good to have good friends and to, uh, you know, uh, not, not sort of, I don't mean so much friends in the, you know, in the sense that the world uses, but Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. In other words, when Jesus used the word friends, it was something far, far deeper. You know, uh, with the kind of friendship that God is talking about, there it is something in me that God has put there that it is not for me, but it's for others. Let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to work Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long sufferings, bearing with one another, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is what it says. There's one body and there's one Spirit. There is one, uh, one Lord and there is one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is really what is meant by partnership. I believe that one of the things that's going to happen, you know, when, when you have difficult times, it pushes people together. Already, I have had people coming to me and saying, hey, look, I've got enough for someone else. This is amazing. This just doesn't happen. You know, these are not wealthy people. These are not people who are living in extraordinary houses or got great cars or jobs. These are people who are willing to give, to make provision for other people because God has given them more than enough. This is the amazing thing about churches like this. I think we've got a tremendous advantage and it's the advantage of partnership. I want to talk about a couple of areas of partnership. The first one is partnership with God. I want you to know that you are called a partnership with God. You know, one of the things that's going to happen with you through this little shake that we're having is that you are going to go deeper in your relationship with God. I mean, you've got time now. So you can stay at home and you can work this into your life but you're going to go deeper. God's actually calling his church during this season. And it says, therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. I want you to know you're called to walk in partnership with God. You're not called to be your own man or your own woman. You know, you're not called to be alone you're called into an incredible partnership with God. Number two, we are called the partnership together. Now, you know, the future in this city, we've got a job to do. And, uh, you know, the first people we need to give preference to are those that are of the household of faith. We need to make sure that we love one another and we look after one another, right? Uh, city builders, you can do it. You're the best when it comes to this. I, I know that, uh, you know, uh, the love that we share is very powerful. But in the days ahead, this is what people are going to see. They're going to see the way that we care for one another. And, you know, as we make that partnership with God and with one another, 
God's going to give us the increase. If I could go a little bit further down into Ephesians 4, this is what it says. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but that we should speak the truth in love and that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ and whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In other words, God has made his church, his body, this church, other churches like this, that he would, we've got one God, one body, one Lord, one spirit, and God wants to bring us together and to knit us together in an incredible partnership together that when we look at the needs of someone in our church and if now someone who has a mortgage and they've lost their job I tell you what this is an example where we can move to help those people uh, you know this is the type of partnerships that I want to see in this church and this is the kind of partnerships that our God wants to see our partnership with others you know, uh, I believe at the end of this, we're going to have to, there will be a bit of a rebuilding effort that needs to go on in our city and our nation. And, uh, you know, we are looking for those partnerships with like-minded people so that we can help bring restoration in our city. So number one, we're talking about supernatural pr protection. Number two, supernatural provision. God's going to do it for you. Number three, partnerships these are god-ordained partnerships and lastly today i want to talk about the matter of prayer you know if ever there was a time to pray this is where it needs to start one of the most powerful scriptures in the bible 2 chronicles seven fourteen. it says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways i will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I believe that God wants to heal our land. You know, this, this is, you know, right now, this is a pandemic of uh, coronavirus, which is a strange, uh, highly contagious illness that hits people. But do you know what? God wants to heal the land. And he gives the antidote here. This pattern must be established in you. Right now, we are going right back to our uh, self-isolate in our homes and we need to establish the priority of prayer in our life. I will talk about all these points again and enlarge them as the weeks go by, but prayer is critically important. I believe that the church, the emerging church of the future, will be marked as being part of a global prayer movement. And, uh, you know, there are different prayer, kinds of prayers that are going to become like second nature in the church. Intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is where we get into, the, into God's heart and into his face to pray for 
our city and to pray for those that love. We intercede. It's like we're standing in the gap uh, for, for those that we love and, and even for our city, our nation. This is interest, in, in, intercessory prayer. Prayers of petition. Write your list of what you need. Bring it to God and say, God, this is what we need. Ask God and believe and see God come through for you. Prayer in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit is powerful. And uh, each, each uh, day we want to uh, gather in the morning uh, by, on our Zoom or our uh, Facebook Messenger or whatever it is and we want to pray together. So prayer has got to become our priority. Prayerlessness will come at a cost in the future because God has said, I want a praying church in this nation and I will have a prophetic, uh, a praying church in this nation and that is the word. Uh, I believe that as the church grows and matures through this season of restriction, that there will be governmental authoritative prayer. I believe we're going to see answered prayer like never before. We are going to see it break out of the house. Uh, this is a season of restraint that we are under, but it is a season that God has given us. Uh, I don't want to downplay the season in any way, uh, but what has happened uh, in these last few weeks, although we use the words unprecedented, we can look back to the history in the scripture and we can see similar things happen. And really God wants his church back. I believe in the future that uh, the answer to the nations, uh, I want to commend our government and our leaders on doing the wonderful job that they have. But I also believe this, that the church must begin to take front seat in the rebuilding of this nation. Uh, I just thank God for what God has done in the past. I thank God that I was raised in church and I was raised uh, you know, with a belief and with a faith. But I believe the future house is going to be much more glorious than the previous. And this is Haggai chapter 2. Would you just pray with me? Father, I just really thank you for today. And Lord God, uh, we're in a most unusual uh, season on planet Earth where it seems that absolutely everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And Lord God, I know the energy behind that doesn't come from you. But I believe that you, you are supervising the shaking of planet Earth. That many would begin to turn their hearts back to you. That the governments of this earth, particularly those in Western democracy, have strayed from you and have compromised our nation would begin to turn back to you. Father, I thank you that whole families are going to begin to come and find you again and worship you. They'll find you. Jesus, I believe that you are going to make yourself known like never before. Lord, this shaking is preceding an unprecedented move of God in this nation. Father, I just count it an honour to be able to serve you and to serve this people. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.